0: Turn to Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, and we're going to spend some time there. For those of you who weren't able to be with us on Wednesday night, (coughs) excuse me, I've been doing a little bit of that stuff. But on Wednesday night, um, this scripture came up in our our study, which was very interesting to me um, in light of the fact that the Lord put it on my heart to to share on Sunday. And uh, so it's a timely word for us. And uh, let's take a little bit of time looking at that. And I'm reading out of the NIV Bible, the New International Version. And this is a a passage that's real real, uh, familiar with us at this time of the year. I've got to adjust this thing a little bit more. Ah, It's pulling away from me. Um, This passage is very familiar to us at this time of the year. Uh, In Handel's Messiah, there's a song in there. If you're familiar with Handel's Messiah, uh, anybody familiar with Handel's Messiah? Uh, very powerful uh, uh, piece. And there's a song in there that is reminiscent of this, uses the same, same verse. <clears throat> but in this version, it says for, for to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then it goes on in verse 7, it says, And of the increase of his government in peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And it says, The zeal of the Lord Almighty, or the Lord of hosts, will accomplish this. Amen. God is intent on setting things in order in our lives, in our earth. in in the whole cosmos. And Father, we we bow our hearts before you right now, dear Lord, as we partake of your word. It's like bread, it's like life to us. And God, I pray that you would help it to nourish not our flesh, your God, but our spirits and souls. Strengthen us for the journey, dear God, until we are with you forever and eternity. God, I pray that you would apply the scripture to our hearts exactly the way that we need it. And Lord, will give you the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a few themes that God's had in my heart as we were, as I was preparing, and Cecile touched on some things. She didn't realize I hadn't communicated with her, but while she was leading worship and sharing from her heart today, she was touching on some things that God had put in my heart. So God will revisit that. But if you think about society, <clears throat> I, I am someone that I like to keep up with what's going on around the world. I like to pull up the world news and and kind of filter through everybody's agenda about what they're trying to tell you, uh, using a news story to get their agenda across. <laughs> and, uh, but if you just pick up and look at WRAL or uh, WTVD Channel 11 or any of those channels like that, and you, you pull up the news, my goodness, if that's all you were taking in, it would be miserable and depressing. They have the worst, uh, the worst good news um, very rarely is there any good news. It seems like the shootings and the muggings and the stealings and the criminal activity all over the place, and it, it's everywhere. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, there's all kinds of things that are in there, and then there's just agendas being exposed in the hearts of people, and it really gives a bleak and dismal picture of the world. It can be very discouraging if that's all you get. And you can sit, and I heard, um, I heard, Somebody really challenging, this was, this was a, um, an international, it was actually in Africa, but somebody was sitting on a panel that was talking to media for all of Africa, and they said, he, this person was challenging the, the media over there, and he said, I thought it was very interesting, he said, the story that you tell about Africa is the story that the world will believe with regards to what's going on in Africa. He said, you are painting the picture of what people believe Africa is. And I thought, that's really interesting. Think about our media here. What picture is the media painting of our world? What picture is the media painting of our nation? you, You hear about the shootings, and you hear about the muggings, and you hear about the sexual assault, and you hear about the abuse, and you hear about all these type of things. Are these things going on? Yes. Is there anything good going on? I mean, generally in your lives, probably for the most part, there are good things going on, but they're not going to be in the media. I wonder if we were to be able to put it all on the scale and weighing out, is there more good going on than there is evil? Most likely, there's more good going on. Most likely, you've done a good deed for someone, that you've been kind to a family member, that you've had a personal victory in some kind of way. But that doesn't get reported. I believe that if we were really to balance out the scales and be able to see things in that way, every one of us has got some kind of challenge that we're dealing with. But the reality is there is good going on, and I believe that if we were to put the right kind of glasses on that we would see that that there is more good going on than there is bad. We just tend, through the media, to be able to focus on, we focus on the negative. And so that creates a taint to what's going on. But there's plenty of brokenness and hurt out there in the world that needs to be remedied. And when God looked through time and and saw the earth, he recognized that there was something that needed to be remedied in the earth, that people were lost, that they were were broken in their understandings, that they were getting caught up in things that were enslaving them and ensnaring them and bringing great hurt. Let me just tell you this. If If you had the opportunity of living back then versus living today, which would you choose? Oh, my goodness gracious. You know, we live with so much greater liberty and so much greater freedom, the freedom to be able to, in in many ways, I mean, there may may be some constraints on, on people, but reality, you can pretty much... In our society, almost self-determined. If you decide that you want to make something out yourself and you're willing to work hard enough to do it, you can pretty much change the course of life for your family and those who follow after you. As long as you're looking at, at, for someone else to bring that about for you, there may be a lid over you, but if you really make the determination to change your place in life, you can do it in this nation. It's not like that in every nation. There are still some nations where there's a lid over I know of a man over in Africa who worked for a business owner, as, and in order to avoid paying proper wages, this business owner would fire the man every two weeks. <clears throat> and after he had fired him on the Friday, he would rehire him on Monday, and the man had worked for him for over 25 years on temporary status. But in order to prevent from having to pay him the full wage like the government Uh, 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 Legally uh, uh, Deemed that he should pay He fired the guy for every two weeks To keep from having to take him on on full status and that was that was wrong That was unjust In that situation the the man who had, had been hired had the ability he could have gone somewhere else But he chose to stay there But we have opportunities to be able to change our status and and things like that but god looked through from his vantage point, he saw where mankind was, and he knew that there had to be a remedy. There needed to be a remedy for mankind. And uh, we talked last week about the fact that, that Jesus, the plan was already set in place. Jesus had already, he's, he's described as, as being slain before the foundation of the earth. He wasn't physically slain, but he had already committed himself to that end. He had decided before you ever ever breathed your first breath, before Adam and Eve ever walked on the earth, before mankind ever existed, he already already knew that man was going to sin. And Jesus has already committed himself to giving his life for humanity. And this scripture talks about the beginning. When we go to verse 6 of Isaiah chapter 9, it says, For unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given I will just touch on that just a little bit two different words that are used there he was described as a child and then he's described as a son and when I was doing a little digging in this uh, spending some time studying about it I mean if you go and you're doing research on the word child in in the Old Testament that word is used so frequently the Hebrew has the ability, due to context, and due to the way things are put together, to help make distinctions in things. But really, this word for child is used all over the place, except there is a distinction in this context. And the thing about the mention of the child here, this declaration about a child who is going to come, this This declaration or proclamation saying that there's going to be a child that's going to come. There's going to be a child that's going to be born. It's not just the declaration that would be made over any child when you say, well, she's pregnant and she's going to have a baby. It's not that type of thing. This is a divine declaration that there is a, a kingly son going to be born. There is an heir coming. This declaration where it says, it just sounds so plain to us in our English for unto us a child is born. But the true declaration is there's a, a, a royal child going to be born. There's an heir going to be born. There's an heir coming to the earth, bringing hope to us. God's son is coming. And it goes on and says, and unto us a son is given. The word that's used there, for that, that it's, it's a declaration talking about him being given dominion, that he would be one that would come with authority. He would come with power. And isn't it amazing that God, in his wisdom, sent a little baby born of a little humble maiden, Mary. God sent his son that way. I know they didn't use Pampers back then. But this God child, this baby still had every natural function. Mary had to clean Jesus' Behind, I mean, he lived like we lived. He walked, he played as a child. He experienced life the way we experience life, like the peers that he walked around. There was something distinct from the be- about him from the beginning. When Mary was pregnant and she walked into the presence of Elizabeth, who was at that time about six months ahead in her pregnancy uh, journey with with uh, the, who would be John the Baptist. When John the Baptist inside of Elizabeth, when, when Mary came in the presence, that baby inside of Elizabeth leapt on the inside, it, it, recognizing there was, a, there was an anointing there that was already on the Christ child, the baby inside Elizabeth, and they recognized that, that there was something glorious going on with Mary with regards to the child inside of her. But this child was being sent with a divine commission. Jesus was not just another baby. He was a, a divine Uh, child of God that was being born in the earth and it said the government will be on his shoulders. From, From his life, his purpose was to be able to set things in order. He was being given dominion in the earth. Jesus declared this. He said, all authority has been given in me in heaven and earth. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then he commissioned his disciples to go And to do the work of the Lord in the earth, he was taking his authority and giving it to us to go out and do the work that we've been called to do. So we walk in his authority, his complete authority. It says, and he he will be called the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace. So there's four titles here that that are given to this Christ child. Wonderful counselor a mighty god everlasting father and prince of peace this last wednesday night we're still continuing a story i'm sorry continuing a study on wednesday night about overcoming shame i've talked to you some about it and in that study that we're going through it was i shared a little bit about it, but a church up in nova scotia where i visited the pastor there Inherited a church that had been broken by by um, uh, sexual abuse. There'd been a lot. there been things that had gone on in that church. There'd been things that had gone on in the community. And the pastor approached and said, "Lord, what am I supposed to do? Do we just move beyond it?" Said God, "Said you can't do that. You've got to face the problem that this church has had, and help them heal." God was concerned about the people in the church, and so He took it head on. He began talking about, you know, I know a lot of you have suffered in this place. A lot of you been through things. He said. But God, God's got healing for you, and he, as he started learning how to minister to people who had suffered abuse and had suffered from, from uh, uh, brokenness on the inside because of what other people had done to them, whether it was verbal or physical or sexual abuse, it became apparent that the need in the community ended up to where the court system started sending people who were victims of sexual assault and victims of physical abuse started sending them to this pastor and to this church. And before long, they were having over two hundred a week, two hundred people a week who were sitting in session in the church, ten groups of twenty. Let me re- rephrase that. It was it was twenty groups of ten each week. They were getting ministered to in that church, coming and and spending time together over a course of weeks. And so he sent sh- he sent the material that he had been using to us, so that and we've been using that on Wednesday night, just kind of walking through that that journey uh, of using the material that that they have been using for years in that church. And this week when we started, uh, when we were studying, it brought us back to this very passage talking about how in a very dark world, and if you describe our lives like a circle because of the brokenness and the pain in our life, it's like our life has become this dark circle. We need some kind of hope, and, and, and just because of everything that we've experienced in life, there's brokenness, there's pain, there's hurt. And there's no way out of it unless Christ is there. But then he started building the puzzle pieces and putting things together and talked about how these four aspects of the ministry of Jesus help to heal the human heart and bring things back into order. And I just want to take just a minute and share that with you. But it talked about Jesus being a wonderful counselor. Why do people go to a counselor? Why do people go to a counselor? advice, instruction, to try to make sense out of the mess of life, to try to get some understanding and look for some hope, to change the circumstance that they're in into a better circumstance, hopefully receive some tools to help grow in life. And if all a counselor does is just talk about the past and there's no hope interjected, if all you're doing is just replaying the old record, and there's no change or no hope or no transition to something new, then all you're doing is stirring up all the hurt and pain that's already there, right? It's just reinforcing the brokenness. It's reinforcing the pain. At some point, you've got to move beyond the pain and start moving into a brighter future. But this scripture describes Jesus as a wonderful counselor. Jesus is a kind of counselor that that when people would hear him speak, they would... Wonder they would be in awe. Who is this man? Who is this man? He speaks like one who has authority. He knows something about what he's talking about. He's not just Rehearsing the same old scriptures. He's just not saying the same old things that everybody says that when he speaks he brings life Jesus came into the earth so that he could bring hope into a hopeless situation I don't know where you are today. I don't know where your family members are. I'm sure that every one of us has someone that we come across on a daily basis. And for some of us, it may be where we're living right now that we are doing things to try to medicate, we're doing things to try to cope. We may have family members that are doing all that they know to do, they're reaching out for things that don't satisfy and don't really bring healing. Because they don't know what resources available. They don't know that Jesus came to bring hope. They don't understand what the good news is. They don't know what it is that Jesus actually came to put back in place for us. So believers, just because hope is alive in you, just because your life is on a a firmer foundation and you've already got relief, from your pain, from your hurt, from your anxiety, from your stress, just because you've got hope. Don't forget about the people that still have a need. Do we know how to communicate? And do we take the time to communicate with people so that they can know the Christ that we have on the inside? God, Jesus came to set things back in order for people, to give them hope. But he's a wonderful Counselor. I've heard of people talk about going to see a counselor and they say, I don't know why I'm going because they, this week he went to sleep when I was talking. I don't know why I go there. It seems like I paid money to go see a counselor, but they sure don't do anything for me. I think he was doodling today. You know? When you go somewhere for help and you find out that the person is disinterested or not really caring or doesn't really connect to what you're facing how discouraging would that be jesus is not that way it describes him as a wonderful counselor thank the lord it also goes on and says you know jesus can see into our hearts he can see our hurts it says that he he suffered in things that we suffer with he was tempted in ways that we're tempted he knows what we're going with if you felt rejection if you've helped If you have felt people that you did things for turn against you, you tried to show love to them, you tried to show kindness to them, and all they did was just reject and turn against you, Jesus knows what that's like. Jesus knows what it's like to have people that should be loving and caring for them to completely turn their backs on on him and bring accusation against them and mistreat. Jesus knows what that's like. He knows the pain of broken relationships. He had people that he did miracles for and people that he had poured life into shout out and say, crucify him and nail him to a a cross. And it wasn't that he was forced to be there. He did it willingly. But that doesn't mean the pain of rejection wasn't there, that he saw these that he had loved, even his own disciples, when they were talking about, Lord, we'll go anywhere with you, we'll go anywhere. And he says, by the time the cock crows tomorrow morning, you will have denied me three times. The people that he had walked with, he had slept with, he had eaten with. The people he had been around for over three years. But he's a wonderful counselor. It also says that he's a mighty God. Jesus demonstrated this in his life. I loved how this, this uh, teaching that we did on Wednesday night talked about it. He said, look, we, we think of miracles as when god supernaturally interrupts the natural way of things happening and that's how i've normally been been taught that that's what a miracle is but he interjected something more he said it's not just that god interrupts the natural way of doing things he says that a a superior authority steps into place and god the creator has the ability to speak change to a situation so so um a miracle is not really an unnatural thing. It's just that the natural order has to come into line with a superior authority. Circumstances have to change. Sicknesses have to move. Broken bones have to be healed. Circumstances have to rearrange to come into compliance with God's will and God's authority. It's, that's things coming into order. It's not things moving out of order. Because God's rule and God's reign is the natural order order of things. That sinfulness and brokenness and sickness and, and, and hurt and loss and all that type of thing, that's an unnatural thing that has become normal to us because of how sin uh, set things out of order in the earth. But when things line up with God's will, that's just God demonstrating his kingdom and his authority. Jesus came as mighty God. When the people saw the demonstration of his power in the earth, when they saw people being healed, when they saw circumstances changing, when they saw people being resurrected from the dead, when they saw blind eyes being opened, when they saw people who were being oppressed of the enemy through demonic power being set free, they were were in awe, they were amazed, and they said, what manner of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him? It went calm when he said, peace be still. What manner of man is this? Because he's a mighty God. It also said that he would be an everlasting father. Now that's a little bit unusual to say because you're talking about a child being born and it said that he's an everlasting father. Why is that relevant to us? Whether you realize it or you don't, how you perceive yourself, your sense of identity as who you are has been greatly shaped by the parents that you had. Your parents, present or not, your parents, good or not good, help to shape the identity, the perspective that you have about who you are. Now some of you have been through a, a long process of relearning. Some of you have been through a long press of developing a, a, a long process of developing a new identity, because there's been healing in your hearts, and you've realized that harsh words spoken over you that said that you'll never amount to anything or, or, or harsh things that were done to you or abuse that was done to you, does not have to frame and dictate who you are. One thing the Lord's been reinforcing to us is that it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what your experience was in your past. God gives us all the opportunity for a new beginning. For those who are in Christ, those who believed in him, gave you the right to be declared the children, sons of God, that we're children of the Almighty God. And if we believe in him, he gives us the ability to be a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We get to start all over again. God gives us an intersection in our life where we can choose. Do you want to change? Do you want things to be different in your future? God gives an opportunity to come to that point and say, I'm going to choose your path, God. And at that point, when we make that decision, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, all things change. It may be hard for us to understand that we're a new person, but there's been a new beginning. It's like you never existed before, and God has come into your heart. He's changed your life. It's a new path. There may be some changes that have to go on in your thinking over time. There may be some change in your, in your behavior that have to walk out, but it's, it's like you started all over again. Our sense of identity, for the most part, comes up, uh, from our parents, and it's also affected by our peers. I've been around people here in the church. We, when you go somewhere, I was with someone not too long ago, and I went somewhere, and uh, and there was somebody there, and they were they were a minister. And, and when I walked over there with this individual, this minister looked at the person I was with, and they said, "Well, even Jesus hung out with sinners." I was like, "Oh my goodness, you know." Talk about me and the person that I was with, and I thought, well, that's not very nice, is it? That's pretty bad when ministers are holding your past over you. <laughs> and, uh, but the reality is Jesus doesn't look at us that way. See, and I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. Look, Jesus doesn't look at you because of your past. Jesus doesn't judge you based on where you came from. Jesus knows what he created you for. And he's committed himself to taking your hand, walking with you along that journey as he leads you into the future that you were created for. You want hope? That's hope. It doesn't matter what you're doing or what you did yesterday. It doesn't matter what you got up and did this morning. You've got an opportunity, a new start in Christ. And he wants to walk with you through that journey. He wants to bring people alongside you to help you take that path. You'll have the resource you need if you keep your eyes on the Lord and be willing to walk it out. said that he's an everlasting father. What is the relevance of that? Let me just say this. We, we've, we've had different experience with our parents. Some of you can sit there and, and say, I had great parents. Some of you can say, my parents were really there for me. Some of you can tell exactly the opposite story. That was not my story. My dad was abusive. My mom wasn't present. There was alcoholism, drug abuse. There was sexual abuse. There was verbal abuse. Some of you have that kind of story. Can I just tell you this? It doesn't matter whether you had good parents or bad parents. Not one of us had parents that perfectly represented what God is like. Because I can tell you as a parent that has, has tried, I've done my best, but I can tell you that I've failed my kids in ways. I haven't gotten it right all the time. I haven't responded in the right way every time. There's times when I had to say I'm sorry. There's times when I realized I missed it. So parents, we put forth a good effort. But there's not one of us that got it perfectly right. And to some degree, our children were affected by that too. But in the midst of that void and that brokenness and that maybe a failed image of what a father or a parent should be, God sent his son. And Jesus loves the way that you should be loved. Jesus values you the way that you should have been valued. Jesus sees you for what you should be valued. As a parent, my greatest heart is that my kids are able to excel and go beyond what cecile and i've been able to do i want their lives to be a thousand times better than what my life is i want them to know more i want them to walk in more experience with the lord i want them to have more than we've had i want to see my children blessed jesus wants to see you walk in the fullness of life that he created you for that's why it says in john 10:10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God's not out to get you, to bring destruction on you. God doesn't desire to get even with you for something wrong that you've done. God's extended hand towards you is not to condemn you. God's extended hand towards you is to bring healing and restoration. He loves you. When you stand up and look in the mirror... And knowing your own heart and knowing your own life better than anybody else, and you look at yourself in the mirror and all that you can see is disgust and brokenness and hurt and pain and an unworthiness or anything like that, let me tell you, what Jesus sees in your mirror is different than what you see. Because he sees what you were created for. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I'm come that they might have life. And have it more abundantly. Jesus came. Jesus walked this earth. He did what he did. He said what he said. And he went to Calvary. So that you can have hope. That your life can be different than it is today. That it can be different than it was yesterday. And with regards to implanting a different kind of image and identity as who you are. He's not a. A parent that's there doing good one day and then not there. It says in this passage that he is an everlasting father. So if if there is a perfect model of what a father should be, if we at anywhere in life have the opportunity to really be loved and valued and nurtured the way we should have been nurtured, Jesus came to be that for us. And he doesn't fail He isn't too busy. He's not too far away. He's not been called away on business and can't be there. He is an everlasting father. He's not a good dad that all of a sudden is not there because somehow death claimed his life or the military called him away or somehow he can't be there. He is an everlasting father. He always will be there for you. Not just until you get 18 or 21 or 25 forever. He'll be there. And then it says that he's the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace. When I I hear that Prince of Peace, number one, I want to say he's the King of Peace. But it describes him as a Prince of Peace. Why does it say that? Why does it say that? Why does it say Prince of Peace? (laughs) In my heart, this is my interpretation, y'all may have a, a deeper, more spiritual one, but my interpretation is it's speaking of him ascending to a throne and establishing righteousness and justice and exerting his authority that he may have been born as a child, but there was going to come a day when the declaration of who he is fully would be known in the earth. He was ascending. He came to bring peace. He came to set things in order. He came to make things right. And that through him there is a hope of peace. This peace that we are experiencing, that we are tasting of, that we're beginning to feel in our hearts, is only just the beginning of something that's going to be full-blown one day. His peace will extend from shore to shore, from heaven to earth. It will fill the earth. Things will be put in order the way God wants them to be. And we don't even understand everything about eternity because it's too big for these feeble minds to grasp. But I know this, that when he reigns, there will be no shortage of peace. You know, when I think of of, uh, a community that is just blissful and there's no strife and everybody's nice to each other, for somehow that sounds like a Mr. Rogers neighborhood or something like that. It seems just a little bit plastic even to imagine it doesn't it it's just really hard to imagine nobody cutting I don't know why I mention this all the time it sounds like I got an issue but someone cutting you off in traffic I mentioned that all the time it's my go-to thing I guess or somebody you know I, I mentioned this not too long ago it's still funny to me but I went to a family dollar or dollar no, it was dollar general and uh I needed something that was it was like a telephone cord or something like that something that was right there alongside where the cash registers were but you couldn't get it the other part of the store I had to come around the side to find it so I was looking to see if they had the extension I mean the the telephone cords there so that I could power my telephone I think I was down in Kenley and I came around the side and I went over there to go look at that thing and when I did there was an elderly gentleman that had a shopping cart loaded up and when I stepped around that side he ran me with the shopping cart <laughs> and he had this frown on his face he was upset he thought I was cutting in line in front of him and I thought oh my goodness gracious it was funny to me it was terrible but it was funny and I still think about it now but he must have thought I'm not going to let that young whippersnapper get in front of me Boom. but you know I didn't get in front of him I can tell you that he established his his place but um, I don't even know why I went there I got on a side track I was talking about Prince of Peace But all around us in life, we come across things that just, you you know, there's things that are are difficult, things that you go through. Um, We had a car breakdown this week. I would rather not have had a car breakdown this week, but that's just something you deal with in life. And it's good to know in that situation when life doesn't turn out, when somebody ends up having to go to the hospital in your family or when... You know, there's some kind of challenge that comes on B. Maybe a a workplace situation, somebody brings accusation against you. You know you didn't do it. Maybe you did mess up and somehow you got blamed. You you know, the accusation came back to you. But we know that even in those situations that we can have peace. That God will work out all things for our good. I, I I saw a video this week. There had been a lot of rain, some flooding, and somebody was standing there watching this water wall up against this, the road was, you know, how the road was built up, and and the road was going across like this, and there was water just washing up against the side like this, and before long, I started seeing water going out on that side, and this was kind of like a levee, and the next thing you know, sure enough, they had backed away, and there were no cars coming down the road, but all of a sudden, that road just collapsed and fell away, and then it kept collapsing as that water just started rushing through that, that new uh, pathway to the other side It wasn't going through the culverts It, was, it just completely washed away the road And I th- thought about that I said, Lord, sometimes life feels like that Sometimes it seems like our best efforts And it seems like the, the best possibilities Out in front of us are, are right there But those things Something comes along and washes out The hope that, that, th- to keep us from being To get there And to experience those things And it's hard to understand when that's going on But let me just tell you this if you're looking down the road, you're trying to do something, you're trying to get where somewhere and all of a sudden it looks like the road gets washed out in front of you. Let me just tell you, either God's protected you for something or God's got a better plan. When there's circumstances going on in your life that you don't understand, number one, pray for God to be Lord over the circumstances surrounding your life. Pray for him to be able to set things in order. Offer up your heart and say, Lord, is there anything I do this, Lord, is there anything that's amiss in my life? Is there something that I need to straighten out? Are you trying to redirect my thoughts and my attentions? But once that's a settled thing in your heart, start praying for godly direction. God's got a way. Sometimes God removes something from us, and we're trying to understand why, but it's because he's got something better. We need to be able to trust him in that. He is our prince of peace. God is working things for our good. From today's vantage point, we may not understand it, but just wait till tomorrow. And that tomorrow may be a, a while down the road before we can see it. But there have been things in my life that I did not understand. I didn't understand why I went through something. I didn't understand why we went through things. Didn't understand. Why, I could look and see that this is the best way for things to work out. And God said, no. But looking back, I can say, God, you were wise. You knew more than I knew. You could see more than I could see. And God, you're always good to me. Even when I don't understand. When I look back, he's good. That little baby cradled in a manger... Born among, I'd love, I'd love to say it smelled like. No, I wouldn't. I, I don't like Bed, Bath, and Beyond. <laughs> if I can stay out of that place, I will. We are talking about the right store, right? Sheesh! Oh my goodness! I it just makes me wanna. You like the? I. Uh, you probably won't get that anywhere else. All that, all those smells and everything. I just can't stand it. Let me tell you, that manger didn't smell like that. I've never been around a really good-smelling cow. Even if they perfumed up, they're not going to be smelling good for long. Sheep, sheep stink. But God sent his son to be born in a manger to bring hope to us. Oh, glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. We thank the Lord for that precious gift. And I know that the other day somebody was asking if God still does miracles, and he does. One of those miracles is we're going to get out of church earlier today. <laughs> we, we have a lot going on today, and there's going to be a lot of busy here before we get to this evening. But let's make sure that as we're sharing Christmas, that we're sharing the hope of Christ. In all the busyness, let's make sure that there's also blessing. And would you stand with me? We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Hallelujah. Those children's workers and the youth workers are really going to be surprised. Thank you, God. Would you just ask the Lord to do this in you? Help us. God, would you help us over this Christmas season to be able to share share Christ with somebody that we come in contact with, Lord. Help us to bring hope to an individual or to a family. God, help us to bring life to people that are living in darkness. Lord, that in the darkness a a great light would shine. Lord, we thank you for coming to live among us we thank you for the hope that you give us your god we invite you lord to be a wonderful counselor to be the mighty god lord to be an everlasting father and to be a prince of peace in our lives thank you dear lord for what you've done and we look forward to continuing the journey and we do pray this in jesus name amen and amen be blessed